All right. We're going to be talking about game five thoughts and, and just kind of a, a nice summary of the series to, to date, right? So coaching staff's jobs in, in the playoffs, you got to adjust quickly, okay? Like, I get it. In the reg- regular season's long, right? You need established rotations, um, you know, get guys in a field in a certain slot, you know, and you don't want to do any sudden movements, right? So, like, in... In the regular season, if you're changing your starting lineup, it's a pretty drastic move. You practice it, you really hone in on it, you, you test it for longer, and then you know even when you feel like it's good, you, you work it around for longer. You don't let it. Um, it. It's harder to fail fast, right? If you will, in the regular season, and obviously with proper testing, you want to fail fast, but it's it's important to fail and learn and, and, and adjust, right? But in the playoffs, you got to be quicker, and you can't wait for a number of games to adjust. And sometimes you can't even wait for a half or even a quarter, particularly in the finals. So I bring that up because the, the teams that do well in the playoffs, that, that win, let me explain a little better. The teams that win these series where the town is even enough, right, win because of these small adjustments. And this is starting to be a series now where it's not such a crazy gap in talent. You can make an argument either way. I think the Celtics are a little more talented. Golden State has been there before. And that kind of becomes a wash a bit. And as a result, coaching is going to matter here. Now, look, I'm not going to knock Aduka. Aduka has done a phenomenal job at the help. Okay, he's really turning this around. I mean, this is, in, in my lifetime, one of the better coaching jobs I've seen. I've never seen a coach start the year, and then it was such it was so bad. And then same coach stays on, and then him and the management make a couple of flips, and the team buys in, and they really go on a run. I haven't seen this. I, I've seen it when you got rid of a coach, right? And there's usually this, like, whole new relief and set, right? That actually happened to the Celtics. Back in 2002, uh, when, when Patino left, they really flipped the switch and, and they were almost going to make this improbable um, playoff run when they were one of the worst teams in the league to that point. But right now, Kerr's adjusted, right? So, you know, he started Looney and, um, in the beginning, but then, you know, quickly Porter Jr. comes in. Okay, Gary Payton's healthy. Quickly, he comes in. Poole's been playing all along. Morn, he comes in as well, right? So the adjustments are huge. How are you today? Good. Doing fantastic. Um, so the adjustments are, are really, really key uh, in this, right? Jordan Poole's a non-factor in the series, as an example for Gold State, even though he was a huge factor during the regular season, just because, you know, obviously he's, he's not good defensively. And Kerr... Because when I'll create all these switches, right? So the adjustments are big. Okay. This gold stay is clearly adjusting. They adjusted early. And they also do drastic moves as well, right? So I think Kerr um, not playing green during that crunch time win in Boston to tie the series at 2-2 uh, was huge. He saw he wasn't playing well, and he adjusted. He's not going to keep sticking with it. 
if something's just not working and a different situation is working for them. But Boston keeps rolling out. Uh, so there's two issues. One is, so just to kind of summarize it, Boston's a big issue. Um, if I just had to summarize like their key things, and it's turnovers. Okay, they have to limit turnovers. They showed a stat during the game um, where the Celtics were something like during the season or during the playoffs, maybe like 12 and 2. Uh, when they had under 16 turnovers and then like 1 and 11 when it was over. Okay, like that's that's night and day to me, right? Like clearly uh, what happens is the Celtics predicate their whole offense on, on driving kick, okay? And they roll with Tatum and Brown and that creates an even smart, right? Now you have multiple guys who can drive and, and be somewhat effective from shooting from the perimeter, right? So the driving kick game is big. Problem is when you clog the lane with Robert Williams and Horford starting, so you have one less driving kick option, and you know Williams is not a guy who's going to—he's actually a decent ball mover. It's an underrated—it's uh, an underrated part of his game, but obviously he's not a perimeter threat, and he doesn't help perimeter movement. Him and Horford together is not good enough. Now look, Horford is a decent ball mover and a decent shooter, no question. But what he then doesn't give you is the ability to also drive, right? So you have three guys in Smart, Brown, and Tatum who can all drive and kick and can all hit an open three. And you can argue Horford does it a better percentage, fine, maybe, but all three can drive. You lose that fourth guy, you're relying more on those three, and then you're also clogging the lane with Williams in there, and, and Golden State has been responding well to the lob threats. It's not such, such a factor anymore. So if you ran a unit with White instead of Williams, and you started something like Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, and Horford, I think offensively, you're going to get into a much better rhythm. And I think defensively, the units can also be quite good, right? You still have really capable defenders. Now, offensively, the difference is White shoots a little worse from three than Horford, so that's the trade-off. But it's not a lot worse. He can still hit open three. We're talking like 37 to 34%. So it's it's still, you know, you still are kind of worried about White shooting an open three on the defense, and it's one game, right? But to have this additional driving threat is huge. And Horford's still in the game, so he's still a capable shooter. People are still worried about him. So offensively, that unit is just insane. It really is. That unit definitely needs to play more together. Okay? The problem with running that unit that you then run two for Boston is you don't want your guys to get gassed. Look, I get it, right? So that was an issue. And this is kind of reminiscent of the 2010 finals. Right. So the Celtics in that finals played the Lakers. And throughout the series, the Celtics had, you know, Pierce and Ray Allen, who they were really banking on those guys were getting old and they got gassed early and the Celtics didn't have a third wing right Posey was gone he wasn't on that team so they didn't really have a third wing they could throw in the best guy was Tony out who was decent but and he played but still not another guy who create offense and everything you know off the bench right so the problem with starting white in that unit is going to be um you know, who's that, you know, how do you spell 
you know, brown Tatum, white and smart. Because I think that was another thing, right? Like white, Tatum and Brown couldn't really get it going down the fourth. They were really gassed. You saw it on the free throws. You saw it on just front, you know, shooting some jumpers. And you're asking them to do a lot. It's not, not every minute is equal, right? So people look at them like, hey, they're so young. They can play 40 minutes. What's the deal? You're asking them to play 40 plus minutes and defend the opposing team's best player or among their best players, like Wiggins and stuff. So they're exerting a ton of energy there. Thompson, it's a, it's a boxing match, right? They're t- getting tired out of the defensive end. You, they can't give you, let's say, over 43, 45 minutes. But cutting down a little bit, like to 35, is helpful. So you have to stagger them. And the Celtics know this. They try to stagger Brown and Tatum, right? You want to have one on the floor at all times. So then the question becomes... So you're running this. So Robert Williams obviously comes in for, you know, Horford slash, um, you know, him. he spells Horford a bit, right? So that's going to give you 15, 18 minutes there. But I still, even if all the rest of the stars are playing, you know, 30, 35 minutes, each one needs a 13-minute break. You do 13 times 4, it's 52. Um, so, you know, how are you making up for that? So Grant Williams could, could eat into that some. It's a little risky. But then who's the wing... Uh, that, that comes in that, that spells them, right? And, you know, it's obviously a hole in the Celtics roster. I think going in, um, you know, the hope was, you know, they developed Naismith or something, and that could have been that guy. But it's also a matchup thing, right? Like, I think in prior series, and it's impossible to get it all right in your roster. It's, 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 a, it's very hard. When, when you are lacking a put-me-on-your-back type superstar, um, which the Celtics are. Tatum is not that guy. Again, people think because he wins, he's a superstar. He's not. And there's a big difference between being like, people say top five, top three. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a guy who can carry you, who just give them the ball and you get the hell out of his way. Tatum doesn't in stretches. I'm talking about people that really do for the game, right? And like generational talents. And a lot of teams that have been in the situation the Celtics are in do have those guys. And there's only usually a few of them in the league at one time, right? So right now I would say there's probably three guys like that, right? I think Durant is still like that. Maybe Giannis is like that, okay? Could be more. And Luka, right? Maybe LeBron if he finds the fountain of youth, okay? Curry a little bit too, to be honest, right? Like he could carry you a little bit, but it's, it's a little less. Tatum I don't think is... He's consistent in stuff sometimes, and he hasn't been great in these series. He's a two-way guy. I don't think he's a guy that really has, you know, consistent potential to, to carry you, like in the way, you know, McGrady and these guys, right? So in lieu of that, your, your roster construction needs to be a little bit more perfect. Unless you're going to get that Tatum or, or Brown game, which is, they're just not missing. But, and that, look, this can happen in game six. It's not something you want to bake on, I would say, right? So in lieu of that... The Celtics are missing kind of like a bigger third wing, like a 6'5 to 6'9 wing who could create a little bit, kind of like Wiggins, right? Who could create a little bit, shoot a little bit, um, and just be another threat for them. The only other guy, if I was doing this adjustment, is probably Peyton Pritchard. Now, it's a big jump. To tell Peyton, hey, you've been playing five to ten minutes. I gotta, I gotta get you up to twenty. 
but he's probably the only guy on the roster that can do that. And I think he's a good counter to the Warriors playing more Gary Payton Jr., where you don't need, you know, again, like the Golden State's going to try to pick on this guy, but, you know, you, you have to play the chess game here, so you counter the Gary Payton Jr. move and Otto Porter Jr. move. And you could tell me, like, well, why is GP and Porter and these guys so effective in the rotation? I'll explain. The problem with Horford, right, you would think, like, when the Celtics go big, they could impose their will offensively. You give the ball to Horford or the post, he could be effective. Tatum in the post could be effective. But Payton is thick, right? Tatum is, is not really a post guy. So Tatum's not a guy. You know, Payton and Porter and Wiggins. Wiggins is an incredible defender, first of all. He's a top three defender of the league. Do a whole thing on Wiggins, how he's probably the most extreme case of someone who's become so overrated they're now underrated. And now they're going to be overrated again. Watch, obviously. But Payton and Porter, you know, they can handle their own in the post. So Horford can't impose his will. Tatum's not imposing his will. And they're able to counter that punch. On the flip, though, it's another, you know, potential perimeter threat. Right, Payton, you know, has been somewhat able to hit a wide-open corner three, as has Porter, obviously, right? So, the Celtics have to counter that. Um, on the flip side for the Celtics, Peyton Pritchard, they, they, you know, is another guy who could create and drive and kick. And I think that's probably the guy, that's the surprise move I need to roll with. I don't see another feasible option. I wouldn't overplay Grant Williams. Again, and I want to explain why Pritchard's important here. So, let's just, you got to peel the onion. The Celtics issue turnovers. You have to cut down your turnovers. Don't really cut down your turnovers. You have to have better ball movement and perimeter players and drivers on your offensive sets. Obviously, you can't make lazy passes and all that, which Tatum did. But you have to limit that. In order to do that, you unclog the lane, you create spacing, and you create other guys that can penetrate and kick. So I think Peyton Pritchard is an underratedly aggressive offensive talent, and he can do that. Now, he's going to give up some on the defensive end, but you, but you work with it. And that's my rotation. I would start Smart, White, Brown, Tatum, Horford. I'd probably begin Williams, Pritchard, and Grant Williams. So Robert Williams, Grant Williams, and Peyton Pritchard. And I'd run an eight-man rotation in game six. And Grant Williams, to me, is going to be in those lineups. Like You're going to have to play double big at some points. So he could do that. Um... You know, you do Robert... Robert and Horford can't play together a little bit. You just have to minimize the amount of time they are together. And Robert Williams probably can only give you like 20 minutes in this theoretical situation. So I probably roll Horford at 33 minutes. Maybe 30. I, I probably do Horford at 30. Williams give me 18. Tatum is going to give me 38. Williams gets another, let's call it, 10 off the bench. Okay, it's 48. Brown is going to give me also 38. I got 10 minutes. That's probably going to Pritchard. Smart is going to give me 35, 13. That's going to Pritchard. It's 23. And then White, I need I need 35 minutes from White. And then, you know, again, I have to rework this rotation. But Grant Williams is not backing up White, but he gets an extra, like, 13-ish minutes. So, yeah, you need, you're probably going to need 20-plus minutes from Pritchard. Grant Williams gets his normal allotment. Robert Williams probably gets a little bit of reduction. 
and Pritchard needs to be the X factor, and they have to rely on Derek White a little more. That's the flip. So White can't give you 20, he's got to give you 35 to 38 minutes. That to me is the, the big flip, is taking about, you know, and, and really ensuring that Horford and Williams are not really on the court together, because that's how Golden State's going to counter. And if you start that way and you move in, I think Herb would have done that if he's the Celtics coach, right? So, like, that's the moves he does. And to do that, I think Boston can get back in the series. And then you just have to bring in the Game 7, which is going to be a slugfest. But who knows? 